Welcome to another episode of my podcast, Sincerely Jada, a podcast hosted by yours truly, Jada Amoy. And if this is your very first time listening, this podcast is dedicated to learning and unlearning. On season two, I've really been making it a priority to introduce more conversations about mental health because these topics are things that I experience personally. Of course, we all have mental health that we try to maintain. All of us sometimes have struggles when it comes to our mental health. It's really great to have open and honest conversations where we dive into people's individual experiences when it comes to things like depression. So today I have Adriana Akaina, who's joining me today to discuss processing difficult emotions, embracing your feelings, even when that may be hard. So Adriana is a mental health coach. She has over a decade of experience in the field of mental wellness, so she's super knowledgeable and I'm really excited to have her on my podcast. And she also founded Akina's Cup of Therapy, which is her own business where she has a mission to promote mental health and wellness, where she offers coaching, workshops, and training programs. But before we get into that, I just wanted to issue a quick trigger warning because in today's episode, as you probably read in the title, we're going to be dealing with heavier topics like Uh, depression, and we're going to be discussing overall mental health struggles. There may be the mention of suicidal ideations and just overall poor mental health and dealing with trauma as well. So if this is a topic that may be a bit difficult for you to uh, engage with or listen to, that's completely understandable, of course, and you can choose to skip the episode if that's something you'd like to do. For the majority of the episode, we will focus on the benefit of feeling your feelings, even when it might be difficult. And just like that, let's get into it. You know, I like a short intro. So once again, thank you, Adriana, for choosing to join me today. I really appreciate your time. And since this podcast is geared around early adulthood and just navigating new experiences and kind of coming into your own, I really wanted to start off by asking you, what's one thing that you learned during early adulthood that you wish everybody knew when it comes to mental health? Yeah, of course. Thank you so much, Jada. Um, I'm always honored to be able to share my knowledge and you making room for me here, giving me some space to talk about it. So I really appreciate it. Um, so I am Adriana Kina, as Jada said. Um, I'm a mental health coach. I have over 10 years of experience. I've worked with all kinds of populations. I'm currently in my journey in my master's, uh, one year away from graduating. So I am starting to build my business and start to support people through their healing journey. And there has been a lot of things that have inspired me from wanting to work with families, kids, uh, teenagers, through many different experiences in my life. Um, And I currently do workshops, trainings, mental health coaching one-on-one through my company, Aquinas Capital Therapy. I think just the basic of what is mental health, what does that look like, Um, what is depression, anxiety, just the, the basic things. Because I did not learn that till like my later 20s, in my 20s. So I think it's important to just kind of open the conversation to what is mental health and at an earlier age. Yeah, I think that's really true. Like a lot of us hear the word mental health and think we have a decent understanding. But when it comes to um, our own mental health or the mental health of people in our lives, it can be difficult to navigate it and to know, for example, like see signs of when somebody might be struggling with their mental health. I think a lot of that is not as widely known and um, it would be good if more conversations could be had about those topics. Yeah, and it's important to have them like earlier, younger, um, that way when you go into adulthood, you're able to recognize those those symptoms and how to manage them. So I agree with you. Mm-hmm. 
So when it comes to your own experience um, navigating your own mental health, I know we've had a conversation and seeing previous uh, work that you've done, uh, you've spoken about postpartum depression. And I was super interested in talking to you about that because a lot of my listeners are women from ages 24, 29. So um, a lot of us don't necessarily always have the knowledge or experience or understanding of what postpartum depression is. So if you could just kind of speak to your experience and, um, you know, what postpartum depression kind of is in your, you know, experience and your knowledge. Yeah. Um, first of all, I want to thank you for doing that because I did not know I was one of those women that had no idea what was postpartum depression. Um, I got pregnant when I was 22. So I was like really in my early 20s. Um, I had my first baby. Then five months later, I got pregnant again real fast back to back <laughs> um, and had my second baby by the age of 24. So it was uh, very fast without actually processing what was happening to me and my body and the changes I was going through. And having kids at that age, I feel I wasn't really mature enough. I wasn't ready. It, it became a lot. So I think understanding where what, what is postpartum depression, what it looks like. For me, for the longest time, I didn't understand why women wanted to be mothers. I didn't understand why everybody enjoyed to be pregnant and why everybody enjoyed to have their babies while I was over here crying every single day, kind of hating myself and feeling the guilt and feel the, feeling like my body wasn't me. You know, all these things that come into play when we get pregnant, obviously not a lot of people talk about it and not a lot of people like to talk about it because motherhood's supposed to be such a beautiful thing. It is, don't take me wrong. <laughs> but it, it also has a different side that we need to talk more about, right? What happens to us? What happens to our body, to our brain? Um, what's going to happen after the baby's here, right? Those were one of the darkest moments of my life, experiencing depression, because there's this big guilt that comes from it, because I kept saying, I should love this. I should be more present. I shouldn't feel this way. Why am I feeling this way? This this is the worst, you know, while we're still trying to manage everything else. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for being so open and vulnerable about sharing, because I really like how you emphasize that, you know, motherhood is described as something that should be extremely positive, that you should be really happy and excited about. And it's not that, you know, people don't feel those things, but also the aspect of how you're going through changes and how you know, it feels like there's not a lot of space to feel those negative emotions or to cry or to mourn, I guess, the loss of someone's previous life or previous body or whatever the case may be. I, I thank you a lot for being open about that because it's something that I'm uh, 24 and I've always heard, you know, the term postpartum depression, but more so on TV or hearing like women talk about it as like this kind of a loop thing, but not really knowing like how it can affect someone and how someone can even get out of that space. Right. And that kind of ties to the question you you asked earlier about what I wish I would have known was what is mental health, how to prepare for being a mother in a different way than I got prepared for. It was more like, you're going to need diapers, you're going to need this, versus how are you going to take care of yourself to be able to take care of your baby um, and all the things that come with that. So I think learning all these things at a younger age. Yeah. So 
when it comes to postpartum depression as someone who experienced it, uh, do you have any specific advice or how would you suggest people who may be experiencing not really being able to label the feelings that they're feeling, but knowing that they're in a space where it doesn't exactly feel um, normal after giving birth? Like what's some advice that you found helped you get out of that space? Yeah. So uh, what I heard a lot when I was going through it was I had the baby blues and as time kept going and my symptoms kept kept progressing from crying once a day to crying two, three times a day to eventually, you know, attempting to take my own life, then, you know, those are definitely not baby blues. We want to stop kind of labeling and minimizing uh, people's feelings. We need to start validating and asking questions. Uh, when somebody has a baby, we always want to ask, how are, you, how are you doing? What are you doing for self-care? Is there anything I can do for you? And if they're not uh, able to talk about it like I was, I, I kept smiling and be like, yeah, this is the best time of my life. You know, anybody that would come visit, just kind of reach out, find that one person that is there for you unconditionally. And if you don't have one, reach out, call, call a hotline, uh, call anybody that you feel comfortable talking to and ask about those symptoms. Tell them what you're experiencing and learn about them because it's important to have that education about is this normal? Is this something that comes with pregnancy or is this something more serious that I need to get checked? Yeah, thank you. Thank you for that advice. I think that emphasizing the education piece like the more you know the more options and uh, resources you might be able to have so thank you for that advice so yeah, of when it comes to uh, this episode so like I said the main uh, topic that we're here to talk about is feeling your feelings um, and you having that background in mental health I really wanted to discuss uh, your thoughts about uh, processing trauma and just you know a lot of us have uh, a very busy, difficult life, of course, adulting where we're going from task to task and we don't have a lot of in-between time or downtime to really acknowledge the things that we're dealing with or how something made us feel. So because of that, that can, of course, result in, as we all know, carrying unresolved feelings around. So when it comes to the term feel your feelings, I'm sure we've all heard this before, but what do you think it means? How does one truly begin to feel their feelings? Yeah, that's definitely very important because that does play a role how we function as adults. So it refers to acknowledging and experiencing your emotions without judgment or avoidance, right? So it, it sounds easier than it actually is. A lot of times it involves being aware of your emotions, which when we're experiencing something traumatic, uh, a hard situation, we're heartbroken, it's kind of difficult to be aware of what we're actually feeling and it gives us an understanding of the source also so it tells us like okay because I was in this situation this is the cause of that feeling um, allowing yourself to fully experience them which is hard because like you said we have a busy life we were always on the go or you know I shouldn't feel this way so we try to avoid it but we need to have that time to be able to process everything that happens to us day to day, whether it's good or bad. And by doing this, it can contribute to emotional well-being and self-awareness. Yeah, I like that you brought in self-awareness too, because I think a lot of the times, even what I find, I'm, I'm a really emotional and sensitive person, and I've always found that that's been portrayed as a negative thing. But I'm someone who will have a good cry. But I think sometimes you encounter people who... Uh, you know, something really tough happened to them and you're talking to them saying, oh, my God, you went through that. Like, are you OK? And they're like, oh, like, it's fine. You know, it is what it is type of attitude. 
And it's hard to kind of, you know, be there or support people like that because obviously they're not doing it on purpose, but it's kind of hard, you know, to support someone through a situation where they're making it seem like it's not a big deal. So I really like that you emphasize, you know, taking time to understand what your emotions are, even if in the moment it feels like uh, you don't know what your reaction or what you're feeling is, but maybe you're not able to name it, but at least acknowledging that maybe it doesn't feel so good. Right. And saying like, I'm not doing so good right now. Not being able to name the feeling, but just acknowledging that I'm not okay right now. Right. It's it's huge. Yeah, it is huge because it's it's hard, right? Especially when you're, uh, you know, trying to put on a brave face or you have responsibilities. But I think that's definitely a great place to start, as you said. Yeah. And, and there's a lot that, you know, we, we need to take the time to process. And when we go through a difficult time, difficult situation, it doesn't happen immediately. And that's that's where the feeling your feelings can be difficult. Because, you know, at the moment, if I'm having a crisis, I'm not going to stop and be like, huh, how am I feeling right now? Right. And stop everything that's happening. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it takes us a while to process everything. And as time passes, then we, we can think a little bit more clearly. And then we're able to sit with that one situation that maybe happened five years ago and, you know, make peace with how we were feeling there or process it and do what we have to do to kind of acknowledge it. I really like that you mentioned that uh, kind of scenario, like sometimes you have to sit and process things that happened five years ago, because a lot of times, sometimes when we're experiencing that feeling like a sudden cry or something that comes up naturally, it's like usually maybe a situation that happened in the past. And people sometimes can have a negative reaction and say, oh, like, didn't that happen four years ago? I thought, you know, you would have been over it by now. Mm. Um yeah, yeah, it's important to always uh, also be supportive about other people that are like, oh, I just remember when this happened like four or five years ago and be like, oh, wow, that must have been hard versus, oh, come on, be over it already. It was so long ago. Something that you see a lot, um, and it can be with anyone as well, is developing unhealthy coping mechanisms to process uncomfortable or painful feelings. Mm-hmm. So what do you think are some ways that maybe you see clients or people that you're dealing with in the sessions that you hold or just in your general experience. So what do you think are some coping mechanisms that people today are using that they might not realize can be harmful? Today, I'm, I'm 33, but when I was younger, I would go out and, you know, sometimes when people drink a little too much and they start crying and things like that. And then I started hearing a lot, I'm in my feels. And I just kind of started taking a mental note of that because it does tie into okay, so they're using the alcohol to be able to process these feelings that they can't otherwise process sober. Um, So I did notice a lot of that. And when I started, that's kind of when I started noting like, oh, there's there's some sort of mental health things happening here because I didn't have the knowledge or the understanding. Yeah, that's that's something I see a lot too. I Um, Whether it be alcohol or different substances, there's a lot of smoking going on and stuff like that. And then I think a lot of the time, too, like we have like nowadays like a kind of toxic hustle and toxic positive culture where a lot of people might be using work or different success that they're uh, gaining, pouring themselves into things that make them feel successful as opposed to dealing with things like focus on the financial so that they don't have to focus on their mental. Right. That's a big one. Um, it is true. We always want to replace one bad feeling with something else and hoping it'll go away. 
but it just kind of piles up if you just kind of suppress it. But I have see, seen a lot of, uh, well, the substance and then avoidance of, oh, no, like, I'm fine. We're okay. I'll pass. Escapism, that's a big one, right? Using TV, using gaming to just kind of escape our reality. Yeah, I think escapism is something that we don't always think of as like a negative or harmful coping mechanism like sometimes people are just like oh like this is what I do to calm down this is my self-care and that's fine but it's just like it becomes different when you're actually like using that to avoid a situation maybe you have an argument with uh, someone and it really triggers some bad feelings and then you just kind of run away leave the house and go and have fun go out and do all these things you're kind of escaping those negative feelings yeah, you just suppressing them because if you run into the same person, same argument, it's going to escalate a lot quicker because the first issue wasn't addressed. So, yeah, it's it's important to be able to recognize, okay, is is the video game something that I'm doing as a hobby and, and it's okay? Or is it something I'm using to escape my reality? That really ties into... What I also want to talk about is so, um, you know, some people can be walking around with unresolved feelings and that might be something that they're not even aware of as we discussed. So what do you think are some common behaviors that people might have or issues that manifest when somebody has been knowingly or unknowingly suppressing their feelings? Um, a lot of times there's a lot of negativity, a lot of anger. Why am I going to go talk to this person if I already know that they're going to be like that? Or why am I going to show up if they're not even going to acknowledge me or Whatever it is, it's always a very negative view. A lot of times anger is based off how we're feeling and things we haven't processed because we just kind of need that energy to just kind of keep us, you know, moving forward and, and coping through our daily activities. Because mm -hmm. I think that sometimes people, instead of like dealing with like the actual emotion that they're feeling, they just get angry. They just blow up or maybe uh, you're trying to be there for somebody and you're like, they go through something difficult and you try to say, oh, like, how do you feel about that? And instead of opening up, they kind of lash out and say, you know, mind your own business, stuff like that. Yeah. And that's a way of avoiding, of pushing people away, of getting all these negative things that, you know, if we were to process them together, it'd be a little bit easier. But since we can't, then we just kind of have to let that person go through it, unfortunately. Yeah, I like that you just mentioned pushing people away because, you know, that's something we can definitely get into as well, because that's, of course, like an issue or behavior that someone uh, might have when they're dealing with those negative feelings. They're just kind of not maintaining relationships with other people or just trying to, you know, avoid other people, as you had said as well. Yeah. And it's a big part of not being able to process those those situations and trying to avoid the people to try and avoid those situations. So it becomes like this vicious cycle of unhealthy, negative pattern. That makes a lot of sense. So, of course, we've talked about what that might look like and how that might be affecting people's relationships. So if, you know, someone's listening to this episode and they're finding, hey, maybe there's some things that I'm dealing with that, uh, you know, I haven't really recovered from and they're affecting my relationships and my behavior. What are some ways that they can begin to better process maybe some traumatic events that they've gone through or whatever feelings are kind of holding them back? It's very difficult because it's not a one-size-fits-all, of course, and it can be hard to process any situation in our lives um, because a lot of things are get thrown at us and it's, it's very hard. But if we're able to, to kind of take the time and feel like we're ready to process it, 
we're able to start maybe kind of thinking about it. So if we're, we're going into a situation, it's like, okay, this is really hard. Am I ready to face it? Am I ready to, to start processing that what happened maybe five years ago? You know, and, it, and like we talked earlier, it presents through different things in our life. Maybe it was five years ago, but something triggered. And now I got to process it. A lot of times it does come down to feeling ready to process it and how open we are to feel our feelings. <laughs> because like I said, it's not an easy thing. So I would, I would just kind of make a list and think, am I ready to process these feelings? And how do I want to go about it? Do I need somebody here with me to kind of hear me and support me through this process? Because I know it's going to be hard. Or do I need to reach out to a professional that'll support me in a more professional setting? Or what, what do I need to be able to process these feelings? Yeah, that, I think that's a really important question that we don't think about sometimes. Like, what do I need in this moment? Do I need to, you know, not talk about this for a while? Do I need to maybe reach out to someone? Do I need to reach out to my community? Uh, do I need to get out of the toxic situation that's bothering me? Maybe it's a relationship or a job. Do I need to actually like make a change in order to move forward? Mm -hmm. uh, so asking yourself what you need, I think, is a great step. The second thing would be following through with that, right? So if I say, okay, I think I need to talk to somebody and not just sit on it. <laughs> it's, it's great that we're able to recognize that first step, but we also need to follow through to make sure that we're able to, to move forward and continue growing and healing. Yeah. So as a follow-up to that, I think that a lot of times uh, the traumatic events uh, might be something, you know, further in the past, like, you know, for example, let's say somebody's dealing with trauma from uh, their childhood or trauma from something that happened to them growing up. And it's not something that they can go back and change, or maybe it's not something that they can maybe process. Maybe the people involved are not really ready to apologize, whatever the case may be. So how, based on your experience, would you kind of recommend somebody to go about healing from a situation where, let's say, the closure or the uh, apology or whatever they were looking for is not possible. So it's making it difficult for them to move on. Yeah. Getting over it kind of signifies that you're just going to kind of erase it out of your life. But you can't. It's your past. It's, it happened. How are we going to move with it? How are we going to come to heal that to be able to move forward? Because maybe healing might also signify getting over it. But the point is not to get over it. The point is to heal it, take that part of you and, and just take care of it and love it and, and, you know, be there with it. We're not trying to get over it and we don't want you to get over it. We want you to heal it. We want you to take the first steps to making peace with it, right? To kind of start saying, yes, that was, it passed me. That got really hurt. How am I going to heal that past me? How am I going to embrace her and tell her it's okay and, you know, have her be part of me today? We always constantly hear you need to get over it or uh, mm -hmm. make it to the point where you're not thinking about it or it doesn't hurt. But like there's certain pain people go through that naturally, whenever it comes up, whenever you think about it, it might hurt, it might sting a little. Um, but getting to the point where you don't have to, you know, look for maybe the validation or look for the apology or look for whatever you didn't mm -hmm. receive, but maybe give yourself uh, what you were looking for in that moment or be able to kind of give yourself the attention and the patience that you need to, mm -hmm. you know, witness yourself and acknowledge how that it affected you without necessarily needing to constantly relive it over and over. Right. We always want an answer. We want to know 
why it happened and why us, right? And a lot of times we're not going to get those answers. And a lot of times is more that was out of my control. Unfortunately, I could have done things differently. But that me in the in that moment, in that past, was so hurt that I couldn't manage that situation. Right now in the present, I want to embrace her and heal her and bring her with me to my present now and my future so we can think of that situation in a more more reflective way versus sadness and anger and all this negative feelings. Mm-hmm. That's so important. Thank you for that. So, you know, we discussed that in your practice, you more so, you know, try and implement a compassionate approach to mental health. So your approach is maybe more unique than other approaches. So I want to talk about that. So uh, what does a compassionate approach uh, to mental health mean? Of course, you can explain it in terms of your clients, but maybe there's uh, advice you could also give people who are trying to approach their mental health and the mental health of people around them with compassion as well. Yeah, uh, for me, it's very important to meet people where they are. Mental health in life is not a one-size-fits-all. And my goal and my mission is to be to meet people and no matter where they are, whether they're doing great and amazing and they just need extra support, or you know what, they just came at a really horrible situation and they just don't know where to get started, then I want to meet them there and take them through their journey at their own pace. Because it's important to understand that, you know, if you have that one person that wants support, that will be there unconditionally, without judgment, with open arms, open heart, then it'll be an easier journey. You'll be able to find that comfort and be able to want to get better right, with that that support. So it's very important for me to approach anybody that I meet and ask them, what do you need? How can I help you? This is what I can help with. Does any of it fit where you're at right now? If not, let's work together and figure it out. Yeah, I really like that you say meeting people where you're where at because I think a lot of times when someone's struggling with their mental health, we really want to be the person to fix it, quote unquote, or to uh, give them a list of actionable items for them to do. But also remembering that this person might not be in the best place and you kind of have to meet them there instead of trying to, you know, bring them up or immediately bring them out of the situation when that's, uh, you know, not always possible and it's not always going to happen that way. So, yeah, thank you for that. You know, you mentioned, of course, meeting people where they're at and showing them compassion and seeing what you can do to help them, even if it's just a small step. You know, a lot of us find ourselves in situations where maybe we're trying to support someone who's really, really struggling with their mental health, but we're trying to balance how can we support you, but also how can we make sure that we're not over, uh, you know, extending ourselves or putting ourselves in a place where it starts to affect our mental health as well? Yeah, that's that's very important because once we care about somebody, we really just want them to be good and thriving. And I think that once we we kind of set that boundary from day one, and I always say, this is what I can do for you. This is what I can support you with. And this is where I, I can't. But that doesn't mean I'll stop supporting you. I'll find you the resources. I'll refer you. I'll walk you through the steps. But further from there, I can't do much more than just be there for you. And I think that approach is very important to implement in any relationship, really. And be like, I'll be here for you and this is what I can do for you. And if I can't help you, we can find a way to get you the help, right? Because we got to be okay to be able to help them. 
if we're okay, then we can give. If we're not okay, then, you know, that relationship is probably going to pull us apart from each other. I like how you emphasized, of course, assuring them that you can be there and letting them know what you can do. Maybe all you can offer in that moment is a listening ear or looking up some resources for them, but you can't offer much more than that. So I think that it's super important, like you said, to just be honest about what you can offer, but also your limitations and when it gets to the point where you maybe don't have the resources to offer, trying to refer them out or uh, trying to, you know, direct them to maybe someone else that can help as opposed to just being like, okay, you know, I can't help you anymore. It's becoming too much and making the person maybe feel abandoned. Right. Yeah. When somebody's going through a very difficult time, the, their sense of security is pretty much not there. So if you're able to be that friend that's like, I, I'm not so sure how to, I can help you, but I'm here. We'll see where we can get you the help that you need. Yeah, that's so, so, so important. And I really enjoyed hearing about, you know, that compassionate approach, because I think a lot of us see mental health as, you know what, you're in a bad place. Let's pick you up, get you to do this. But it can be a very slow process. So I think us having that patience and just compassion and not trying to like judge someone and saying, oh, like you, you can barely get up for work. You can barely do this. Like what's wrong with you? But instead looking at it compassionately and saying, okay, well, this is where you're at right now. It's not saying that you're always going to be there, but let's get you the help you need in the moment. So maybe down the future, you can be at a better place. Yeah, definitely. It's, it, it's very important to always Kind of go into that mentality when we go into relationships, too, because it's not always going to be, you know, happy in the honeymoon stage, not just in romantic, but also friendships, family and stuff. Um, we get those happy moments. And then once it gets hard, it's like, ah, yeah. let's check in later. <laughs> Let me know when you're doing better. <laughs> yeah. And we don't we don't want to set that tone. We're going to be like, OK, well, let's let's try and figure it out. If you were to summarize the steps that someone who's really struggling to process pain should go through, what do you think are maybe uh, one or two steps that uh, they should begin to take in order to move forward from what they're going through? Take some time to kind of think about everything that happened and then begin to reach out to somebody that will be able to support you through that processing because it'll be hard, it'll be difficult. And sometimes we cannot do it alone and we need that extra person to be able to, to process those situations. But try not to prolong it. Try not to wait it out. If it happened during the week and the next day you need to go to work, call out. Take that day. Process. Call somebody. Call a friend. Call a professional. Somebody that will be able to be there and support you through that processing. Yeah, don't prolong it. And I think a lot of us want to go through things by ourselves, especially sometimes trauma and pain. Maybe we're blaming ourselves for the situation or maybe we feel foolish for going through that. So we kind of want to hide and go through it by ourselves. But uh, reaching out to someone, even if it's just a friend, to have a quick conversation and say, you know what, this is what's going on. And uh, this is where I'm at. I just need to talk to you about it. I think that's a really great piece of advice to give. Yeah, yeah. You don't have to do it alone. There's always somebody out there willing to help you and support you. Okay, well, I really want to thank you. Uh, for being on my podcast. It's been a really great conversation and I'm super excited just to have people listen. And also, I really thank you for sharing your experiences. I think a lot of us can listen back to it and see how vulnerable you were. So thank you for that. So if someone is looking to connect with you or maybe tap into some of your resources or workshops, how can we get uh, that information? I'm on Instagram as Adriana Aquina. Um, I also have Instagram for my business, which is my last name, Aquina's Cup of Therapy. 
And I also have my my website, akinascapatherapy.com. So if anybody wants to just reach out, have questions, I'll be there. Well, I'll definitely be sure to link your uh, social media and resources in the episode notes so people can connect with you and keep up with Akina's type of therapy. Yeah, thank you. I really appreciate you making some space for me and having me as a guest. It's been great and an honor. And I just want to remind everybody that you need to embrace your healing path. It's uniquely yours and there's strength in every step. So don't, don't ever, ever, ever give up. Thank you. And I really just wanted to say quickly that I think a lot of us don't really acknowledge the importance of feeling our feelings when we're feeling an uncomfortable feeling like sadness or disappointment or embarrassment. We don't want to sit with those feelings because it doesn't feel good. We pretend that things don't hurt us or things don't affect us or that we still don't think about certain things that we went through because we feel like there's nothing productive about feeling your feelings. A lot of us, especially I feel like sometimes men like you don't necessarily feel like there's any valuable lesson or any value in allowing yourself to feel your feelings, allowing yourself to be sad, allowing yourself to be anything but angry. I think a lot of us, the only feeling that we really embrace is anger, but we don't normalize feeling sadness. We don't normalize feeling disappointment. We try and escape those feelings as soon as we can to avoid dealing with it. But there's power in feeling your feelings. There's power in acknowledging, okay, I had this really tough conversation or I went through this breakup somebody betrayed me and it hurt me. It actually broke me down and I'm not okay. There's nothing wrong with that. There's power in admitting that as opposed to kind of hiding and shying away from that and trying to downplay it and act nonchalant and act unbothered because that's not what a human being is. Like naturally, we're human beings. Things are going to bother us. Things are going to make us feel down and that doesn't make you any less of a person. That doesn't make you any less successful, less strong, whatever the case may be, just because you have feelings. Being in touch with them is a part of being a human being and you're going to naturally put yourself in positions where you can't have deeper relationships, you can't have fulfilling conversations and a deeper sense of self if you're not acknowledging the way things make you feel, if you're not acknowledging what could have happened previously that actually impacts you and acknowledging that just because something impacts you emotionally doesn't mean anything negative. You don't have to be strong all the time. At the end of the day, it's a part of being a human being. You felt that feeling. You had that experience. It sucked. And it's okay to say that it sucked and to talk about it as many times as you need to talk about it, as opposed to just pretending, moving forward and trying to process your emotions all alone or silently or not at all, because there's really no benefit to that. So that was really just how I wanted to end the episode with that message. I hope it resonates with you. And thank you so much for choosing to listen to this episode and choosing to continue to support this podcast. We're almost at the end of season two, and I'm really excited about that. So thank you. If you have any feedback or if you'd like to share your opinion on what we've discussed today, always feel free and always be encouraged to reach out to me via whether it be my personal Instagram or the podcast Instagram to keep the conversation going. If you enjoyed it, feel free to leave the podcast a review. It's always much appreciated. Until next time, sincerely, Jada. Jada.